0: Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Shifman. I love sharing Torah classes. And thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Let's get started. Today's daf in M'sachiz Gittin is daf Mem Memhei. We're starting... Seven lines from the top of the page. Now, we're going to have four sections in today's daf. Really, before we get to the four sections, there's an introduction which has to do, the first point is really connected to yesterday. So, first, we're going to explain why the penalty is leveled against the purchaser we saw yesterday. We're going to move on to understand four pshatim in the pasak of Saskir Everel Adonav, and we'll see how it applies to certain stories. We'll have the tikkun olam of redeeming captives with two points. Tikkun olam of redeeming Sifrei Torah and tefillin and mezuzas. And then we'll finish off with the fourth point, which is a discussion of machlokas, four opinions. The person divorces his wife for two reasons, either because of Shemra or because of Nadarin. If he's allowed to remarry, we'll see his four opinions about that. So let's begin seven lines up down from Memheim, up to the top of Memhemud Aleph. We said yesterday, Shmuel told us, and we learned the Gemara, the Brisa teaches us, that the halacha is (coughs) if a Jew in Eretz Yisrael sells his slave to Chutzel Aretz so he's removing him from the mitzvahs of Eretz Yisrael the halacha is the slave goes free but the penalty falls on the second master means the purchaser he has to write a get shechor to the slave and he does not get refunded for his purchase that's the halacha so the Gemara wonders today why is it that the penalty is leveled against the purchaser and not against the seller they both did something wrong ultimately by selling him out of Eretz Yisrael so we're holding seven lines down. Omer le'abailer of Yosef, Sabae said to her, Yosef, you were medayik yesterday from the b'risa that Shmuel holds, that the penalty goes against the purchaser and he doesn't get refunded. So my chaz is the kansinu l'lokeach. How is it that you see fit that the penalty goes against the purchaser and there's no refund? Maybe the mocher should write the get or the seller from Eretz Yisrael, and really the purchaser should be refunded. Why is it leveled against the purchaser? I remember of Yosef responded with a mushal, with a parable, he says, The mouse is not the thief. You see, the mouse runs and steals the cheese. So he's not the thief. It's the hole that the mouse knows he can seek refuge after stealing the cheese, that's really the thief, meaning it's the opportunity that he knows he'll get away with it. That's where the onus really lies. So therefore, it's the purchaser that provided the opportunity to sell something in a wrong way, he's the one that's punished. Amarle no market. Oh. Uh... Right, we'll go. The Gemara says, back to Rav Yosef, but if there's no mouse, so then the cheese doesn't get into the hole in the first place, meaning the seller should also be responsible. So Rav Yosef responded, it's more logical, where the Isser lies, means where is the Eved currently? The Eved currently is in the possession of the purchaser. So since the iser lies with him right now, Hasam Kansin, and that's where the penalty falls. It's just more logical, that's where they would enact the penalty. Okay, let's move on. A very interesting idea we're about to learn here. The Torah tells us, Losaskir it says you shall not literally it means uh, lock up or return or separate a to his master. Now, it's very unclear what the Psukim are talking about. We're going to have four explanations, and using those explanations, we're going to clarify a few stories. So the Demar tells us an incident now. Who avded the Arak Aretz La la'aretz? There was a slave owned by a Jew in Chutzah la'aretz, and it ran to Eretz Yisrael. So the slave fled, ran to Eretz Yisrael. so the owner of the slave went to Eretz Yisrael to retrieve his slave. Also, rabbi Ami came in front of Rabbi Ami, who was a, who was a rabbi, one of the great rabbis in uh, Eretz Yisrael. Amar so this master of the slave said to Rabbi Ami, Nicht of, excuse me, the, the, the Rabbi Ami said to the master, Nicht of l'cha adame, we will write for you a document saying that the slave owes you his value, and you're going to write a document of freedom now that your slave has fled to eretz yisrael you have to free him now he'll, he'll write an iou to pay you back but you have to free him the and if you don't do that i will cause him to be freed utilizing the principle of which we'll explain in a moment based on his understanding of that pasuk if an Evid runs to Eretz Yisroel from Chutzel Eretz, he's forced to be free. So if you want to salvage something, let's create an IOU. Otherwise, you're going to lose him entirely. Titania, as the Brayse teaches, The Pasuk tells us that the Goyim in Eretz Yisroel, the seven nations, you're not allowed to leave them to dwell in Eretz Yisroel because they'll cause you to stray against me. Now that means is that if there's Goyim in Eretz Yisrael, when the Jews went in who are worshipping idolatry, you have to get rid of them because otherwise they'll convince you to follow in their ways. So Yohol, Brisa continues and says, you might think, kochav, shakibah, olav, kochav, medaber, that you can't even leave the Goyim in Eretz Yisrael who accept to not worship idols. Maybe even those you can't keep in Eretz Yisrael. Talmud Lomer, therefore, the Pasuk says, It says in the Pasuk, You shall not return or. or uh, bring back a servant to his master that is saved to you or separated to you from his master. And the way the Gemara interprets it in the Tanakama is, is don't return him to his Avayda Zara. means don't return him to his master, meaning his Avayda Zara. If he decides to separate from it, from it, you can leave him there. Don't return him to Avodah Keep him with you. My say, what's the solution? He is allowed to dwell with you. So this is the Tanakama's interpretation of the verse. Is the pasuk is telling you, if the guy decides to separate from Avodah yeah. keep him in Eretz Yisrael, no problem. That's the Tanakama. Kashyula the Rabbi and Rabbi didn't appreciate Rabbi This is the second opinion. He didn't appreciate that pshat in the pasuk because he said, "Hi me ima dinov The pasuk says, "From his master." Me'im aviv mi boile. Really, it should have been from his father, or as some of the gears Me'im elohov from his God. Meaning, it should have said, if he's separated from his God, don't return him to his God, or from his father, reference to his God. But by saying, Me'im adayinav, it doesn't sound like it's referring to his deity, it's referring to a human master. It's Elam, Rabyosh Yosheh. a second shot in the Pesach. What is the Pesach referring to? It's talking about a scenario, a Jew, in Eretz Yisrael, Sold his servant to Chutzla Aretz, Hakasa the Tar is talking. And what it means to say is, once he sells into Chutzla Aretz, you cannot return him to servitude to his original master. Because once you sell into Chutzla Aretz, he negates his ownership and he can't be returned. The L- L- and Rabbi Achie, the son of Rabbi Yoshi, didn't appreciate that shot in the pasuk because he said, sell a leha The pasuk says that he is separated to you. Now, to you implies where are you? L'chor, you're living in Eretz Yisroel And the pasuk says he is separated to you, which is mashmal he's coming to Eretz Yisroel But "asher mi it should have said he is separated from you. If the Pshat in the pasuk is he's separated from Eretz Yisroel to chutz la'aretz, then he goes free. Ela, Amrebi Acha, Rabbi Yosh, Barabioshia, but rather Bacha, Rabbi the third shot in the Pasuk And this is what we're using in this story where the Eved ran to Eretz Yisrael. The Pasuk is talking about where a slave ran to Eretz Yisrael from Chutzel Aretz, and the halacha is that you cannot return to his master. So the Gemara says Rabbi Ami was saying, if you don't. Accept the IOU and free your slave. I'm going to free him based on Rabbi Yachab, Rabbi Yoshi's Pshat, and then you'll lose his value altogether. The Gemara says one more Pshat in the Passock. Tanya Educh, there's a fourth explanation, which is Rebi. How do we interpret this verse? Very interesting. It's where a person purchases a slave on condition to free him. Meaning, you purchase an Evid, but the intent at the time is you're intending to free that Evid. And you, you make that condition. So, is the Gemara says, well, what's the case? When you purchase him, you write the following. When I purchase you, you purchase your, you acquire your own value from now. So Rashi explains that the Gemara explains elsewhere, Rebbe holds like Rebbe Meir. Is that even though now I haven't purchased you yet, you write to the slave, when I purchase you, you acquire yourself from now. In such a case, Basin has to enforce that. The guy can't afterwards reinstitute the slave's uh, servitude to him. Rather, the slave will be free. That's a fourth explanation. I think I'm going to tell us a couple of stories using these different pshatim. Rav Chizda, who lived in Chutzla, right, it's from Bavel, Orak Avda Le Kusai. So his slave ran from Bavel, where he lived, to Be'i Now, Be'i sounds like a location, but it also sounds like there were Kusin that lived there. Now, these Kusin, we know, it's interesting, I just spoke about this yesterday. They believed in Torah Sheviksav, they didn't believe in Torah Shebaal So his slave ran away, but the, both, both where he lived and where they, the slave ran away to were in Chutzal So Shalach Lehu, now, but what's interesting to note is that Kusim, they don't totally disregard Torah. There's certain things they accept. So, for example, Ashava Saveda, they, they they believe in Ashava Saveda. there is some value to it. So they wouldn't completely disregard Chizda's slave that ran away to return it. So Sholach Lahui sent a message to the Kusim, to the Bey Kusai, return my slave to me. He ran away to your lands. Please return him. So Sholach they sent back a message. The Pasuk says, Los Adonav. You cannot return a slave to his master. Now they interpreted the verse literally. They said, what does it mean? If a slave runs away from his master, you can't return him. So therefore, they said, we can't return it to your Chizda. Now, let's read the parentheses here, even though we don't usually do this. Sholach <laughs> so he sent a message back to the Kusim. The Torah talks about a Aved, and it says, So you shall do for his donkey. To his art, clothing. It says, You shall do for all of the lost articles of your brother. So meaning, you have a responsibility, you find something lost, in this case it's an Eved, you have to return it to me. I don't know, but the point is, we're talking about Kusim. Kusim is. So maybe at least they have to at least a minimum Shev-Mit, Shev-Mit. Yeah, But I don't, I, don't think, I don't think it is included we're in Shevamich. But, but the point is, they're, they're Jews. I mean, I'm saying Lechara, but they believe, you know, at least they believe they're Jews, let's say. But aren't the Shevamich all included in Tariq Mitzvah? For sure. Right, so I'm saying, that's my point. For sure, for sure. So he's saying, Shevamich. Well, they, they only believe in the simple pshat, they don't believe in Tare Shabal but this is simple pshat, that when there's an issue of somebody lost something, you have to return it. So he's saying to them, return to me, my slave. Like song, right? right. So they sent back a message. So how do you interpret the verse? It means we read it to mean you can't return a slave to his master. So he said, how do you resolve that? So, Lahu, so Refhizah sent back to them. I interpret the verse, it means where a slave runs from Chutz to Eretz Yisrael. So he runs to Eretz Yisrael, he's in the Holy Land of Israel. So then you don't have to return him, you can't return him to his master. Here we're both in Chutz Lahatz, so you have to return them. Like the third explanation above. So the Gemara says, "Umaishna deShalach l'hu Kid Rabbi Why did he explain the verse like that third explanation in this conversation? A Jew, an slave who runs from Chutzla to Mishum demash malukroi. So he said, because that's a simple explanation, meaning it fits good in the P'sukim." Since it fits good in the psukim, the kusim would accept that pshat. He understood that that's the simplest way to read it. Since that's the simplest way to read it, the kusim would accept that argument. If he would have said something that's more profound or using more Torah Shabal they wouldn't have necessarily accepted. I have another story which is similar. Abai lost his donkey amongst the Kusim, the, the place of the Kusim, be kusim. So he sent So he sent a message to the Kusim. He said, Send me back my donkey. Shalach said back, simana. So we know you have to send a simon. I mean, send some sort of a sign that says it's yours, and we'll be happy to send it back. So Abai sent a message to them. The Khivra His belly is white. It means the donkey has a white belly. So shalach they sent back a message. He loved an Ahmadiyyad. If not that you were an Ahmed, is another name for Abaye. Lo hava mishadar He would not return him because of that simon. Because that tukule chamri lav krisayu is not every donkey's belly white. Meaning that's not a great simon. It's, it's not a great distinguishing factor. But since you're such a chassid, you're such a tzaddik, uh, Abaye, we're going to know. We know that you don't lie, and we're going to return it to you anyways. All right, let's continue. Says the Mishnah. New point over here. Very interesting, and uh, there's for sure halachic applications of this Mishnah we're about to do. A Jewish person is lo taken captive by goyim, and the goyim are seeking some sort of a ransom. But they're seeking a inordinate sum of money, something way above the Jew's value. Are you allowed to redeem the Jew at that value? So there's a tikkun olam established over here. You're not, which is as, as hard as that is to hear, that is the halacha. Let's see. So the Mishnah tells us like this. Ein ha-shvuyin, we're not allowed to redeem Jewish okay, captives. Do I don't know where that plastic is, there, yeah. but no, you're right. Meaning there is value too. But, we'll see. But up to, up to it. We'll see. Let's see. And there's two I'll reasons. I'll we'll see, I'll see I'll why. Jews, no, no, you're I'll right. There is them great them. value placed on that. But the Mishnah says, yes, sir. How much the, uh, <laughs> Let's see, let's see. That's the value. says, The Mishnah We do not redeem uh, captured Jews more. Than their value. Mipnei olam. So because of Tikka olam, the Gemara is going to explain two Sfaras What is the possible Tikka na olam? It's there of in, in Europe. I mean, exactly. This, this happened. They I mean, asked crazy He said yeah. no. Unfortunately, many times president. in history this occurred. And this right. is not only for Mayor Amschel But right. 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 there's two reasons the Gemara is going to explain. What's the Tikka olam here? Either it's going to cause the public to become poor. Meaning, imagine that they take Mayer Amschel and then they could say, "Pay me ten million dollars," and then the Jews will pay it. But then everyone's going to become poor or it'll encourage future yeah. events like this. So there's two ways we're going to see in the Gemara. Which, That's which the halacha number one. What's that? Which is the same thing? Well, they're, no, there are two different issues. I mean, yeah. we'll see. Halacha number two. We also don't assist a Jew who's in captivity to leave, to escape, also because of Tikkun Olam. Now we'll see there's a machlokis about this. Tanakama says it's olam. hikon o'olam. It's a takana because of shvuyin. Because of future, because of uh, the current captives. The Gemara is going to explain Tanakama's issue is, is that if you let this guy escape, when the Goyim take captives in the future, they're going to be much more harsh with them. They'll bind them in tighter chains. They'll be much more uh, meticulous and, and uh, um, aggressive with them. Rav, Sh- Rav Sh- issue is for the current shvuyim, for the current people in captivity. If there's anyone left who's currently in captivity as well, they'll deal with them harshly. We'll see what the Nafkamida is in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, the shayel is as follows, when we say in the Mishnah that there's a tikkun olam not to pay more than the Jews value to redeem him, is it Mishum de tziburahu because it will cause the public pressure, everyone will become poor? So that the Gaim don't become greedy and then take more Jews captive in the future. So Tashmah, the Gemara says, there's a story that highlights this. To Levi Bardarga parke labarte with bethleser alfei din re'zahav, Levi Bardarga redeemed his daughter for 13,000 din re'zahav. Now, L'Chairah, if it's an issue about public, excuse me, if it's an issue about them taking captives in the future, so then how could he do that? It must be, it's going to impoverish the public. And since he paid for it on his own, there was no issue of impoverishing because they didn't become poor. He took care of it for his own daughter. So the Gemara says, L'Chairah, you see like the first option. Rabbi refutes the raya, who says he did this with the uh, acceptance of the Chachamim I meaning he wanted to redeem his daughter you could imagine a father and a daughter but maybe it wasn't the right thing to do maybe he did it against the will of the Chachamim so you don't necessarily have a proof from there we don't leave we don't leave this off we don't know the answer let's move on to the second so we had two reasons why you don't cause you don't assist Jewish capti- captured people in escaping, either because of olam, which is that other captives in the future will be treated harshly, or says because of the current ones, we don't want them who are left now to be treated with uh, more uh, dangerous tactics. There's only one captive. If there's only one person there I mean, and, and the Jews can allow them to escape, according to the Tanakhama, yeah, there's still affect. an issue. Gamliel, yeah, if there's only one sure, guy. It's not gonna affect anybody else. Right. That's it. It's not going to affect anybody else right now, so therefore, we're not concerned about the fusing. Now, the Gemara tells us a, an amazing story here. You know, sometimes at face value, somebody looks like a great tzaddik, but when you analyze a little deeper, you realize they're not all that they're uh, chalked up to be. So let's see. Bantej Reb Nachman, and we'll tie this back into redeeming captives. Bantej Rev Nachman, Bachshan Kidra Adayu. The daughters of Rev Nachman used to mix the uh, hot stew, the pot of uh, food, with their hands. Now, it was very hot and you don't do that with your hands. So Kashi of Ilish, of Ilish was very bothered by this because Ksiv, Pasek in Kohelas tells us this. They burnt, and they didn't get burnt, And they didn't get burnt. Meaning it was like a miraculous thing. So he thought they must be very righteous women that they're able to do this and not get damaged. But he was bothered by this because the Pasik says in Kohelas, Adam echad me'olef Matsasi. One in a thousand men I found to be a tzaddik, the isha and I haven't found one woman like even amongst these to be a tzadikus. So said, I can't understand. Don't tell it to your wife. But lechori, you see this story of the daughter. They, they seem to be very righteous. How could they mix the food with their hands and not burn their? It must be very righteous. and protects them. It's unbelievable. Hashem caused the scenario to occur so that he would have clarity. It wasn't actually out of righteousness. They were doing this. This was some kishof or something else, but it wasn't really righteous. It appeared to be they were righteous, but they weren't really. What ended up happening was, those daughters of Nachman were taken captive, and and Reb Ilish was taken captive along with them. He was sitting with a fellow who understood the language of the birds. Anyway, just like throws that in, you know. There was a guy there that could understand how the birds so talk. The story's over? The, no, no, the story's, the story's continuing. The, 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 now we have Rev Ilish is taken captive and the daughters of Rav Nachman are also taken captive by the same non-Jewish captors and amongst the captured pe- captured people is another fellow who understands the language of the birds. So a raven came and was calling to Rav Ilish. So Rav Ilish said to this fellow who understands birds, Mike comer, what is the raven saying?" Ilish brach, Ilish brach. So this fellow, the interpreter of the birds, said, uh, "I speak for the trees." He said that uh, the bird is saying, the raven is saying, run away, Ilish, run away, Ilish. So, Amar serf, Ilish said, A raven is his liar. I don't, I don't rely on him. You know the story of Noah. You yeah, right. can't rely on him. He never gets the job done. So I'm not going to listen to him as they were talking, a dove showed up. And it also called Terav r- r- Evelish. So, so he said to the fellow who understood the bird, what is it saying? Um, or, ilish brach, ilish brach, again, that the Yonah, the dove, is saying, also run away Ilish. So r- said, Yisrael the psukim, uh, refer to the Jewish people as a dove. So this must be a message that a name is go- going to occur and I'm going to be saved. So Amar, Sir so of Ilish said, "Fine, I'm going to run away, but I don't want to leave the daughters of Nachman here. So I'll go check on the daughters of Nachman. If they retain their chasteness, their chasteness, Chastness. chasteness, chasteness chastity, chast- chastity. their chastity. If they maintain their purity to their husbands, and they didn't just uh, give themselves over entirely willingly to their captors, so then I'll bring them with me." Amr, so he said to himself the following. This is a funny business. Nashi kol de islahu. Any matter that women want to discuss in private, lahad lahadadi bebeis akise. They go and arrange and discuss in the bathrooms. You know, like four women go to the bathroom together. I'm not sure exactly what's That's going on. Yeah. In Afghanistan, they did studies after the Americans. You know, they, didn't, they gave them, they, they had a lot of their infrastructure. And, and in the villages, they, they brought water supply to them after later on they thought the women were very upset because the women used to go down to the river to get water and that's when they would talk among each other mm-hmm. they had privacy there I guess the bathrooms was the place back in the day and you, I don't know you find this also today but anyways the point is what Rev said is I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go over to the K- base I saying over listen listen over to what what they're talking about and see where are they holding in terms of their relationship with their husbands with these captors so Sham Inu Amran, he overheard the conversation between the daughters of Rav Nachman that was saying as follows Ade these captors are our husbands. Govrin. And in Nahardoi, means where I'm from, we also have husbands. Let us say to our captors to distance ourselves from here, meaning let's move away from Narda. So that our husbands shouldn't hear and then redeem us. Meaning, we're very happy staying with these captors. We don't want to go back to our husbands. That's what they were saying, basically. So, come, our Akrabilish heard this. He got up and he ran away. It means he said, these these women, they don't even they don't even maintain their relationship with their husbands. They're happy to stay with these non-Jews. I'm just gonna leave on my own. Now. So that him and that fellow who understood birds, they ran, they went ran away together. Now, Rav Ilish, a miracle occurred, and he was able to cross over a river on a boat and get away from the captors. The other one who understood birds, I guess he wasn't so lucky. He got captured and he was killed. Now, the end of the story was is that the daughters of Rav Nachman were already eventually they were redeemed and they were brought back to Narada. And Kihadran, when they were returned for us, they they came back, Amr sir Ilish said. It must be when they were mixing those pots, these are not righteous women. So therefore we understood the Pasekin Kohelis in lieu of this story, they were mixing it with uh, sorcery, not necessarily with righteousness. So it looked like they were very righteous, but in truth it was a so negative that thing. Begs the question it leaves the door. open. Well, anyone who does something that appears righteous, you don't know if they're doing it? Awesome. We can't make a conclusive right, decision. That's the, decision. the bottom line. That's one of on the third points of the day. Now, just as we spoke about redeeming Jewish people, captives, not more than their value, we're going to talk now about Sfarim, a and also. Similar idea. Says the Mishnah. You can't purchase sifrei Torah tefillin from Goyim, more than their value. Now, again, there's, there's two reasons. Mefnei turning to Memhamud Bays. Again, either of the two reasons can apply. Either because it'll cause the tzibur to become impoverished by all the financial pressure, or because they'll, they'll continue in the future to grab more of these sifrei Torah, tefillin and mezuzos, and that'll cause future issues. Says the Gemara, Amrale Rav. Amr Rav Ravashi, Ashi. said to Ravashi, what do you see from the Mishnah? Yes, you can't pay more than the value of these items to redeem them but that's mashma to redeem them for their value you could purchase them means if a guy takes a Sefer Torah and he asks for its value you could pay its value now the implication is you can even use that Sefer Torah Shma so minas the Gemara says Rav Budya said it seems to be Sefer Torah that a Sefer Torah that's found in the hands of Goyim you could read from it and we're going to see it's not so simple if you find a safer Torah by a guy, maybe it wasn't written Lishma. you don't know who wrote it etc but it implies from our Mishnah you could purchase it at its value and therefore you could read from it Simar so refutes and says no Dilma Lignos maybe it means you can purchase it at its value but not to read from it just to bury it. it means it's a suffix you don't know where it came from necessarily so you could pay its value just to bury it so that the guy is not disgracing it but not necessarily to read from it and this brings us to the next discussion Amar of Nachm we're going to discuss now People that are less than qualified—how do we view Sifre Torah and the like that are found in their hands, and also their capacity to write these things? Also, Amar of Nachman, we have a tradition: Sifre Torah min. Now, min is an apikores, someone that denies part of the Torah. So, a safer Torah that's written by an apikores. you sorry if it has to be burnt, and the reason it has to be burnt is we assume it was written for avodah Zaref, not for God's purposes, and it's completely invalid and completely unacceptable. So it was just written for sale to make money. Let's so. see. We're going to go through a few examples now. Cause Ovid Now, if a guy wrote it, Yigones, it has to be uh, buried. One second. Yeah. Rashi learns over here like this is if a min wrote it he certainly wrote it for Avodah I means because he, he's worse than a guy it's an interesting thing by the way Min is worse than a guy so a guy a guy the way we're looking at this is maybe well well hold on hold on a second a guy is not necessarily for wrong intention but a min is somebody that's actively denying part of the Torah it's looked at in much in Okay, I hear that. I hear. In a certain way, I guess a, a guy is, is less uh, severe. Rashi yeah. learns over here, as we're going to see, is there's a suffix here because maybe he, maybe he wrote it. We don't know exactly maybe where it came from, sale. so okay. let's see. Now, nimsa biyad min, if it was found in the hands of a min. Now, this is a little bit better. Because we don't know that he wrote it necessarily. So there you go. is. You you have to bury it. You can't burn it because maybe it was written by a Jew. We don't know, but you can't use it. You can't burn it either because maybe it's a safer Torah. So you have to bury it. Now what if it was found in the hands of a guy? So here there's a machleikis. Some say you you bury it. Some say you could even... Read it. Now, why would you be allowed to read it? Because we don't know where it came from, so it's a Svek fake ultimately. Maybe he wrote it, but he wrote it L'Shema, because he knew he was going to sell it to a Jew. And maybe it was written go, by a Jew. So the answer to that is right. L'chore, it would work as long as he had the right intention. How okay. do you determine the right intention? You would have to have so maybe could, a Jew so instructing him. Right exactly. Right. Now the Gemara, based on this, introduces, there's actually a three-way machlikes about this. And this is exactly the machlikes. Three opinions. A Sefer Torah written by a Ovid K'chavim. So one Brisa says, Tani Chadi Yisar. One Brisa says, It has to be burnt. A second Brisa says, Yigonez. It has to be buried. A third Brisa says, Karin, Bo, You can actually read from a Sefer Torah written by a Goy. There's not a contradiction here. There's three Shittas. The one who says you have to burn it, Rabbi Lazar. He's the opinion of Rabbi Lazar. The Amr, because Rabbi Lazar's opinion is, brought him a Seches Chulin. Stam machsheves over kechovim. It's talking about shchita done by a goy. If uh, the stam intent of a goy is laavodas kechovim, so therefore, since it's for avodas zara, you could assume it was written for Avoda zara. It has to be burnt. V'hare taniyig nagi is the one that says that it has to be buried. The second opinion, high tana, who it's this opinion. The taniyur of Hamnuna b'edurava mi mi fasrunya because the second opinion is safer. Tarot fillinim mezuzas shikas fun. Some take out the word min. Umasor, that was written by a min. Umasor, min is an apicaris. A masor is somebody that gives over property of a Jew to the government. Ovid kochavim, or a the or an idol worshiper. Ve'eved, or a slave. Isha, a woman. Ve'katan, a child. Ve'kusi. Now this Sheetah holds, their arroyo, so they're not good they're not valid converts. Israel mumer, or a Jew was rebelling against the Torah. In all these cases, psulin, the Sefer Torah is invalid. Shemar, because the pasuk says ukshartem It says in the pasuk about tefillin, those that bind tefillin also uchsavtem can write Sefer Torah, etc. And the way we expound it is anybody that's included in the mitzvah, either that means that they're in the mitzvah, to exclude women and children and slaves because they're not included in mitzvah, yesh no bikseva So they would be responsible response, they would be included in the ability of writing Sifrei Stam as well. And and therefore, whether they're exempted from it or they don't fulfill it, which would be including, let's say, in Ovid kochavim they're exempted from it, or a min, he doesn't do it, etc. These people, they're not allowed to write Sifrei Tari. Now this doesn't go so far as to say, you'd burn it, doesn't, but you would bury it because it's not a valid sefer Torah to read from. Vahad and the third brisa, that the third opinion that said that you have to, you could even read from it. But you could read from it. It's the following author, Itania. The brisa says, in oved makom." You're allowed to purchase svaram from a guy in any place. As long as it was written properly, means it has to be the letters are written properly. It was written l'shma. And there's a story in Sedin with one guy. I don't know if we're passing his way today. I mean, it certainly is not Lechat T'chila. So, there was a story with a guy, Shahaya Kaisef's farm, that he was writing Sfarim. Roshimim Gamliel allowed you to purchase it from him without issue. And the Gemara just challenges, one second. Roshimim Gamliel himself holds that even the tanning of the cloth means the processing of the hide has to be done lishma. How could it be he holds that the writing is not done l'shma? b'ayi, The processing, the tanning of the hides has to be done l'shma. Ksiva l'shma He doesn't require the writing to be done l'shma. The tanning, because we know that the, the B'raise teaches, or If tefillin were covered with gold or with uh, the Hide of a non-kosher animal. psulais the tefillin are psulis. Rashi explains because the pasuk tells us that you're supposed to have tefillin that are something that's permitted for you to consume. Now I didn't know gold is an issue of consumption, but it seems like there's some issue in consuming that perhaps. For sure, it's focusing on or behemetzmea. But either way, the point is or behemetzahora. If you use kosher hide, hide of a kosher animal, k'sheros, the tefillin are kosher. Even if it's not tanned necessarily lishman, for the sake of tefillin, it's acceptable. No, it has to be that they're actually tanned lishman, and then it's acceptable for tefillin and mezuzas and and, sifrei torah. So how can you say if a guy writes it, it's acceptable? If even the tanning has to be done lishman. It has to be written as well. We're talking about a scenario where there was a convert who went back to his old ways. But he knows the halacha, so he'll write it as So the Mariah says, but if he went back to his old ways, that's an apicoros. Once he becomes Jewish, you can't opt out. It doesn't work that way anymore. So if he's an apicoros, how can you trust that it was written mishum yira. He turned back to his old ways because of fear. It was like the case of the Maranos. So therefore, in such a sin, so Therefore, in such a scenario, he will write it lishman, and he'll make sure to do it properly. Tzadra Rabban says the brisa ma'alen that you are allowed to pay a little bit more than their value. Right, these sfarim. Ad until the value of a tarpeik. Rashi says that's what's called selah medina. It's an eighth of a salatsuri, which is half of a dinar. That much more you're allowed to pay. My tarpeikum rafshes is Istara, which is a half of a dinar, but not more than that, because like the issues we spoke at above, when you inflate the prices, Gemara finishes off with a story in the contrast to this. There was an Arab woman who brought a bag full of tefillin in front of a baye, and she wanted to sell them back to him. Amrle said to her, "Yehvesli Give me a pair per date, meaning I'll give you a date per each pair of tefillin. So this is very cheap. He he lowballed her. so she she became full of rage. She be, how could you lowball me like that? What about my product? Shakla the tin of She took them and threw them in the river. Sabai so saw he had done the wrong thing because of lowballing her. I shouldn't have denigrated it so much because in doing so I caused them to be ruined and thrown into the river so you learn you shouldn't lowball either pay some value so that it gets redeemed properly let's do it says the mishnah this is the fourth section of the day there's tikkun olam now associated with divorcing one's wife for a specific reason and then not being able to remarry her so let me just speak this outside for a minute a person divorces his wife for one of two reasons either because of shemra either because there's a negative reputation that she has uh, developed in the city or because she makes she made nadarim against him. So in both scenarios, the Tanakama says he's not allowed to remarry her, even if it turns out those were false accusations, not real, or the nether was able to be removed, etc. Now, there's two potential reasons for this, either because of kilkul. Now, kilkul means is that if he realizes after these were not real, they could have been removed, so he might say, I wouldn't have divorced if the get turns out to be fake, or false, and then if she had remarried in the interim, she was a married woman, the marriage is an eshesh, and the children will be mamzerim. So either that's a tikkun you know, under all circumstances, you cannot remarry if you divorce for one of these two reasons, or it's a knas chachamim. If you're divorcing for one of these two reasons, we don't want women, it's a knas against her, really, to be involved in these two potential issues of Arias or nadarim, and therefore, in order not to uh, bre- breach these types of issues, you can't remarry after these two p- types of issues. We're going to have four opinions here about remarrying after divorcing for these two reasons. And it, there, these reasons given in the Mishnah, the four expl- uh, opinions, are contingent on these different reasonings. So, says the Mishnah. If he divorces his wife because of a negative reputation, he cannot remarry her. Mishum If he divorced her because of a nether she made against him, again, he cannot remarry her. And Rashi says these are the two potential reasons, either kilkul or because of a knas against her. Arbuta says he holds of the reasoning of knas So he says any nether that was known by the public, which is therefore not able to be removed by a Chacham, he cannot remarry her. Because it's such a strong nether, it can't be removed by a Chacham, there is a penalty placed against her, he cannot remarry her. If it wasn't known by the Chacham, <coughs> could be removed. Yachsir he could remarry her because that's not as severe of a neder, so we don't enforce the knas as much. Rimeira, the third opinion, so he holds of the issue of kilkul, and he says like this: any neder that would require hakiras chacham, meaning the husband can't remove it on his own, lo yachzir, he cannot remarry her because later, if he could, he'd say, "I didn't realize that this could be removed by a chacham. Had I known that, I wouldn't have divorced her. This will create a kilkul." If it does not require hakiras chacham, the husband could have removed it on his own. He can't. Claim later if I would have known, because that's something you should have known. Yaster, so he could remarry here, We don't apply the issue of kilkel. Amr um, ibn Lazner, is the opposite of remarry. He says Lo asru We only prohibited the ones that require hakiraschok, that uh, require hakiraschacham. Ella only be, oh, we, meaning, we don't allow her to remarry if she was divorced because of those Nadarim that require Chakira Askachim, require Sheila Askachim to remove, because of those that don't. Means Rameir says the fact that the husband could claim later, had I known, I would have taken her to court is not an argument. Why is that? Because Rashi says, which is unbelievable, a husband would rather not embarrass his wife in court. Unbelievable! He'd rather divorce her than bring his wife to court to embarrass her. So therefore, that's not an argument. Had I known that my I, I could have taken her to court and divorced her in such a sin, and and, and uh, removed the neder, I wouldn't have uh, devo- I wouldn't have uh, divorced her. So the Gemara says, therefore, that's not an argument. So therefore, the husband can't claim that had I known this neder could be removed by the courts, I wouldn't have divorced her. Because as Rashi says. Rebeleza's opinion is he wouldn't have taken it to court anyways. So really, the only reason that we're for kilkel, we're concerned about this kilkel that I'll do later, is in a scenario where he did not, could not have removed it in courts. That could have been a kilkel. And therefore, they extended it to a scenario where he could have also had it removed in courts as an etu. It's a gezerah in the case of where he could have had it removed based on the scenario where the gezerah really is, there really is a, a kilkel in the case where he could not have had it removed. So therefore, Blood is saying almost the opposite of Remare in the sense that really the starting point is that. The Kilkel is in a scenario where he, he could, could not have had it removed, whereas Rameyer only limits it to the case where he could have had it removed. Ravlis mm-hmm. extends it to both, but it starts in a scenario where he could not have had it removed. Let's finish the Mishnah. Amr Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yehuda, Maiseh B'Tzidon, Ba'echach, Amr Le'ish, there's a story in Zidon with a person who said to his wife, Ko'ina, Mim E'ni Megarshich, I make a neder if I don't divorce you, we'll explain in the Gemara exactly what this means. V'gir Shani, Divorce, and the chachamim permitted. Him to remarry her, because it's Tikan Olam. The Gemara will explain to us exactly what was the case here and how this ties into the four cases above in the uh, Gemara, Be'ez Hashem. Okay, we'll stop here at the bottom of Mem Ha'amad Be'ez. Be'ez Hashem. let's pick up tomorrow with Daf and Bov. Everybody have a wonderful day.